0: Greetings, this is podcast number eighty eight of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from the Rational Radical dot Today we're going to hear a progressive third world leader in his own voice. He'll lament past U.S. violence against his nation and explain his administration's current efforts to end centuries of exploitation by the West. In my closing comments, I'll tell you about the next Blast the Right live call-in show. Let's get right into it. My sources are democracynow.org chomsky.info the new york times wikipedia.com newsmax.com and the CIA Factbook. As even casual listeners to Blast the Right know, I try to be a voice for the voiceless. The most voiceless in the world are the third world poor. Throughout Latin America, the impoverished masses, who sometimes constitute an outright majority of their nation's populations, are rising up and electing progressive leaders. These progressive leaders promise to rule in the interests of the majority, not a small elite super wealthy group at the top. And that's just what these progressive leaders are doing, much to the consternation and public whining, ranting, and raving of both local and US right-wingers. One such progressive leader is Evo Morales of Bolivia. He was elected in a landslide in December 2005. Since then, he's delighted the poor majority in Bolivia with his pro-social-justice measures. To give you an idea of what he's saying, usually I have to myself read short excerpts from his speeches. But today, thanks to an interview of Morales conducted by Amy Goodman on her wonderful Democracy Now! program, we can hear Morales in his own words. In this podcast, you'll hear excerpts from that interview. I urge you to listen to the entire interview on the Democracy Now! website. I put a link to it on my data resources page. Morales is, of course, speaking in Spanish, so you'll hear him speak and then the translator. Bolivia is a paradigm. I'm not concerned with its suffering people any more than any other exploited, economically enslaved third world people, but I'm not concerned any less. It's a paradigm. There's so much information in each clip, so please listen carefully. In addition to the theme of the third world poor taking power in achieving economic justice, we'll note some what we might call sub-themes. They are, as in the past, so in the present, as in one third world country, so in another, and as abroad, so at home here in the United States. In other words, right-wingers are the same throughout history and all over the world. For the first clip, You should know that the United States overthrew the democratically elected government of Chile in 1973. We installed in power as dictator, General Augusto Pinochet. He not only committed mass murder and tortured thousands in Chile, he launched what was called Operation Condor in conjunction with other right-wing dictators. The goal of Operation Condor was to kill leftists in several Latin American nations. You know the CIA was involved in that. Bolivia didn't escape that violence. At the time, Hugo Banzer was Bolivia's dictator. Here's the first clip. Mr.
1: President, <clears throat> Bolivia was one of seven Condor countries the, um, that participated in the efforts to eliminate uh, opponents of the regimes of Bolivia past decades.
2: one of the most Que estuvo en el plan Condor que era un programa para that
1: was spearheaded by uh, Pinochet of Chile.
2: Cabezado por Augusto Pinochet de Chile
1: The Banzer regime was an ally of the United States
2: era un aliado de y- Estados Unidos.
1: As president you're in a position to secure and release the documents of that period, perhaps millions of documents. Will you commit yourself to doing that?
2: Como presidente, usted está en una posición de, de eh, mostrar los documentos de este periodo, quizás millones de documentos de este periodo sobre estos atropellos. ¿Usted puede comprometerse a transparentar esta información?
3: Estamos en esa etapa de cómo no solamente transparentarse, inclusive de búsqueda de personalidades que han desaparecido durante la época del Plan Cóndor.
2: We're in a phase of not only revealing those documents but also f- trying to find out what happened to people who were disappeared under Plan Cóndor. Some members of the military high command are actually cooperating who at the time were probably uh, lower ranking officers or cadets.
3: Tenemos que dignificar a la humanidad, acabando con la impunidad. We have to dignify humanity, ending impunity. Y las a ante el
2: país. And it's imperative that the armed forces become dignified before the country as well.
3: ¿Cómo boliviano?
2: It's important to note how. Much the image of the armed forces has improved next to my person in the country today. Por tanto, vamos a seguir en campaña mediante la ministra de justicia. We're going to continue with this campaign through my minister of justice. and to, uh, to reveal uncover, to clarify many facts.
3: I have many facts. El Dirigente Minero, como también
2: Marcelo Quiroga Santa Cruz. There, I have, I very much want to find the bodies also of many of our mining leaders and the body of Marcelo Quiroga Santa Cruz. Oh, who well. is? ¿Quién es Marcelo Quiroga Santa Cruz?
3: Es un líder socialista. He was a
2: socialist leader.
3: Que presentó un juicio de responsabilidades de la dictadura de Banzer, Al Banzer. Who,
2: presented, who put Banzer on trial.
3: Uh, y la dictadura de García Mesa ha sido... And under
2: the García Mesa dictatorship, he was machine-gunned. And his remains disappeared.
3: An intellectual
2: who led the second nationalization of our gas and oil industries, now we're in the third nationalization.
0: So in the present time, decades later, Bolivia is finally starting to investigate the atrocities of that earlier time period. Atrocities that wouldn't have been possible without the support throughout Latin America by the United States of right-wing dictators. Note that the socialist leader whom Morales wants to find the body of led a prior nationalization of Bolivia's oil and gas industries. His fate? To be machine-gunned. His body disappeared. Similarly, remember that two weeks ago, we discussed how the United States overthrew the Iranian government in 1953 because it had nationalized its oil industry. Sub-theme, as in one third world nation, so in another. In the next clip, we'll hear about U.S. hypocrisy regarding terrorism.
1: Do you think Henry Kissinger, who supported Pinochet and the generals in Argentina um, through Latin America, uh, should be tried for war crimes?
2: ¿Usted piensa que Henry Kissinger, que apoyó estas actividades en aquellos años, ¿podría ser, debería ser enjuiciado por crímenes de guerra?
3: Bueno, será un problema de Estado de Estados Unidos y y nosotros tenemos la obligación de ajustar a nuestros eh, 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 delincuentes, por ejemplo... Le he pedido públicamente y ya quiero aprovechar esta oportunidad mediante ustedes para que el pueblo norteamericano eh exija a que el gobierno de Estados Unidos expulse a los genocidas, delincuentes corruptos que vienen o se escapan de Bolivia hacia Estados
2: Unidos y buscan protección acá. Um, I'm not sure that's probably a, something for the United States to take up, but I want to take advantage of this opportunity to uh, call on the people of the United States to Help us in our efforts to extradite to Bolivia those people who practiced genocide, who were corrupt under previous administrations, and who today are free here in the United States. Names? Names?
3: El Gonzalo Sanchez de Losada.
2: Gonzalo Sanchez de Losada, former president.
3: Que el 2003, el 2004, cerca. O más de 100 personas a bala usando las fuerzas armadas de la Policía
2: Nacional junto a su ministro de Gobierno Saúl Beci y junto uh, We were responsible for the death of over 100 people killed in by uh, gunfire along with his uh, minister uh, Carlos Sánchez Versain Agotamos todos los procedimientos legales para extraditar ¿Were a trying now to, to use all of the instruments that are disposal to extradite him?
3: Algunos sector del gobierno de Estados Unidos no permite la extradición.
2: But it's where it's not moving forward, it's it's running in the, some resistance um, here in the United States.
3: Sí, una lucha contra el terrorismo, con una defensa de los derechos humanos, de un estado de un país, de un gobierno como de Estados Unidos, se sí, lucha contra la corrupción. no Es posible que esas señores
2: a government that says it fights against terrorism, for human rights, uh, against corruption, it's not conceivable that this person was
3: still be humanos. So
2: we ask the people, the government, and all the institutions of human rights to, to help with this.
0: Morales says we're harboring a mass murderer, a former president whose armed forces killed over a hundred protesters. Reminds me of the situation of Emmanuel Constant from Haiti, he was a Haitian mass murderer who founded a paramilitary group called the Front for the Advancement of Progress in Haiti, or FRAP. When progressive, democratically elected President Jean-Bertrand d'Aristide was overthrown, FRAP was the organ of state terror used by the resulting dictatorship in those years of the early 90s. Thousands of Haitians were killed. The frat atrocities were targeted by the Haitian military dictatorship at specific individuals or communities in order to terrorize them into submission. Emmanuel Constant was tried in absentia on charges that he had helped mastermind the 1994 massacre, convicted, and sentenced to life in prison. The United States repeatedly refused Haiti's request to extradite him. So just like Morales says the U.S. is giving sanctuary to a Bolivian mass murderer, the U.S. is also harboring a terrorist who presided over mass murder in Haiti. Let's continue on. What about Morales personally? What actions did the U.S. take vis-a-vis him? The question is asked by Amy Goodman's associate, Juan Gonzalez. I'd
4: like to ask you, in many poor countries around the world, it is said that the most powerful official in the country is the U.S. ambassador. Uh,
2: Se dice que en muchos países el oficial público más poderoso es el embajador de Estados Unidos.
4: But in your campaign, you actually ran against, not just the other opponents, but against the role of the U.S. embassy and the U.S. ambassador in Bolivia. Pero
2: en su campaña usted eh, tuvo que competir no solo con sus adversarios políticos, sino también con el rol De la de en y el
4: de what is the the role that the United States has played historically, not only in Bolivia but in Latin America as far as you're ¿Cuál
2: concerned?
3: Es el rol que ha the arrogance of an
2: ambassador or the arrogance of others including a president is always an error a veces la soberbia crea mayor rebelión, mayor resistencia. this arrogance creates greater rebellion
3: greater resistance In 2002,
2: former ambassador, U.S. ambassador to Bolivia,
3: Manuel Rocha, said, don't vote for Evo Morales.
2: And after that, people came out massively to vote for me. I said he was my best uh, campaign chief.
3: And
2: a number of things were said about it, what would happen if I came to the presidency, that international cooperation would be reduced, we would no longer have access to markets, but in fact, I've come to the presidency and we've seen a lot more support from other governments.
0: I love that. In 2002, former U.S. ambassador to Bolivia, Manuel Rocha, said, Don't vote for Evo Morales. And after that, people came out massively to vote for me. I said he was my best campaign chief. If we're not overthrowing democratically elected leaders outright, like in Iran in 1953 and Guatemala in 1954, the United States still continuously interferes in the electoral process of other nations. In a way, that would never be tolerated if a foreign nation attempted to do so in the United States. In Bolivia, Morales says, we even tried to make changes in their military leadership.
3: The
2: United States Embassy um, tried to affect the changes in the military high command. I said, That's not going to be changed. That's a sovereign decision that we make. Entonces, por esas cosas hay algunas diferencias, pero so queremos have, mejorar esas diferencias. We have but we work out those eh,
3: por más que seamos un país subdesarrollado con problemas económicos, pero tenemos dignidad, tenemos soberanía. Una de las ventajas que tengo es como en nuestro
2: gobierno hemos empezado a dignificar a nuestro país, levantar el nombre de Bolivia en alto. One of the advantages that we have is that we begin to return dignity to the country. The name Bolivia is now understood. Our peoples need a strong sense of
3: self-esteem.
2: We want relations with all the countries that will but based on mutual respect. De relations of complementarity, con balance, de solidarity, And for now, cooperation so that we can assure the changes that we're trying to achieve.
0: Our arrogance seems to know no bounds. Let me ask you, is what Morales says he wants so outrageous? We want relations with all the countries that will be based on mutual respect and cooperation so that we can assure the changes that we're trying to achieve. And what type of changes are those? Morales will tell us, but first a bit of background so you can understand the dire necessity for the major changes Morales is making. Bolivia is a small nation with only 9 million people. In the United States, our poverty rate is 12.6%. In Bolivia, it's 64%. Yes, nearly 2 out of 3 people in Bolivia live in poverty. And poverty there doesn't mean you have a black and white, not a plasma TV, or that you drive a really old, beat-up car. No, third world poverty means your children die because there's not enough food for them or medicine when they get sick. As even conservative New York Times columnist David Brooks has admitted, quote, In Bolivia, 3% of the people who tend to be white control almost all of the economic resources and 65% of the people who tend to be Indian control almost nothing, close quote. Before Evo Morales was elected, almost two-thirds of the Bolivian people had been failed by their nation's economic system and its leaders. I won't go through the numbers here, you can check Podcast 82 for the details of my calculations, but suffice it to say that 9,500 Bolivian babies die every year before the age of one because of malnutrition or lack of adequate medical care. Extrapolated to the United States. If we had as bad a health care and malnutrition situation as Bolivia, and thus their infant mortality rate, there would be over 300,000 infants in America needlessly dying every year. That's the magnitude of the horror, proportionally speaking, in Bolivia. No wonder there was a revolution at the ballot box and the people elected Abel Morales. One of the major things Morales promised to do was to renationalize the oil and gas industries. And that he did. The right, both in Bolivia and abroad, was apoplectic, as we detailed way back in Podcast 42. Even the New York Times could find in its major story on the issue no one to say anything good about what Morales had done. Emotional politics, outside the norms and logic of business, a very dangerous precedent, were among the choice words tossed his way. Well, With all that in mind, let's hear now directly from Morales.
3: We said
2: we were going to nationalize the gas and oil sector, we did. Without expropriating or kicking out any
3: of the companies. We said it's important to have partners, but not bosses. And we did it.
2: The investor has the right to recuperate the investment and to
3: uh, a reasonable profit. But
2: we can't uh, allow for the sacking of the country and only the, the companies benefit, and not the people.
3: empresarios con I
2: just came from a meeting of political analysts, foreign policy analysts here, and they seem to understand our proposals.
0: No expropriations, no kicking anyone out. Morales certainly sounds like a wild-eyed radical, doesn't he? The investor has the right to recuperate their investment and to a reasonable profit. Partners, not bosses. Multinational energy companies are welcome as partners with Bolivia, but not bosses of Bolivia. What could be more reasonable than that? Let's take a quick break. Blast the right, the right. Blast the right, the right. Your one-minute voting report. We started the April voting a little bit shaky. We're currently out of the top 10 at number 11, just by a few votes. Being in the top 10 gets the right lots of exposure and helps get new listeners and spread the progressive word. I urge everyone who voted last month to vote again, and if you haven't yet voted, now's a great time to start. As always, here's my offer you can't refuse, or so I hope. You get two hours a month of a podcast you like to listen to, and all I ask in return is ten seconds of your time once a month to vote for Blast the Right at Podcast Alley. You can vote from the one-click link on the podcast homepage. Two hours for ten seconds. You could even go vote right now if you want to. Deal? Cool. (laughs) let's listen to Morales explain things in a bit more detail. Maybe the right-wing's yelling and screaming about Morales is justified by the
3: details.
2: What I explained is that after the supreme decree that did the nationalization, we were guaranteeing greater security
3: Porque los nuevos contratos iban a ser transparentes y ratificados en el Congreso Nacional y no como otros convenios eran reservados, secretos, sin la aprobación
2: del Congreso Nacional. Because the new contracts were going to be transparent and ratified through Congress, because previously the contracts were kept under wraps, secret and never ratified in Congress.
3: Lleve demostrado técnicamente, numéricamente, financieramente.
2: And we also showed technically, financially, with numbers.
3: La empresa recuperaba su inversión y tenía derecho a
2: la ganancia. The company was going to be able to recover their investment and would have a reasonable profit. Aunque no ganaba harto como antes. They were going to earn as much profit as before.
3: Porque los megacampos,
2: because the largest oil fields,
3: las empresas solo aportaban el 18% al Estado y 82% para la
2: empresa. Ah, uh, from, from the largest gas fields, the companies only gave 18% of royalties to the state and took 82% y, y con el decreto cambiado. But now with the new law we've changed it around. Ahora, 82% para el Estado, 18% para la empresa. Now 82% for the 18% Now 82% for the government, for the state and 18% for the companies.
3: ¿Si quedan sin problemas?
2: They're staying, there's no problems.
3: And
2: from that large field that Petrobras is
0: managing, we've already seen $150 million coming into government coffers now. Two things stand out to me here. The companies are staying, meaning they agree with Morales that they're going to be able to recover their investments and make a decent profit as well. Why should anyone be screaming and yelling about that? Unless, of course, reasonable profits are not enough. They want more. The second thing that leaps out are those percentages. The prior split was multinationals get 82%, the Bolivian nation 18%. No individual in their right mind would make a deal like that, and neither would any government ruling in the best interests of its people. However, when you're ruling only in the interests of a tiny rich elite, of the gas and oil profits is enough to make you and your relatively few cronies quite wealthy, thank you. Forget about the fact that much of the rest of the country is starving. Sub-theme coming up. As in one third world country, so in another. This is a passage from Stephen Kinzer's book, Overthrow, America's Century of Regime Change from Hawaii to Iraq. He's talking about the arrangement the British oil company, Anglo Iranian, had for Iran's oil. Anglo Iranian's grossly unequal contract, negotiated with a corrupt monarch, required it to pay Iran just 16% of the money it earned selling the country's oil. Close quote. Nice. An 84 to 16% split in favor of the multinational. Shades of the 82-18% to 18% rip-off Bolivia was suffering until recently. Kinzer also wrote that Anglo-Iranian, quote, probably paid even less than that, but the truth was never known, since no outsider was permitted to audit its books, close quote. No outsiders could audit its books. Trust us! Just like in Bolivia, where you just heard Morales say that their contracts with multinationals "...were kept under wraps, secret, and never ratified in Congress." Here's what it's all about. The bottom line. "...Anglo-Iranian made more profit in 1950 alone than it had paid Iran in royalties over the previous half-century." Repeat, Anglo-Iranian made more profit in 1950 alone than it had paid Iran in royalties over the previous half century. Close quote. How many tens or hundreds of billions of dollars was the Bolivian nation denied by its sweetheart 82 to 18 percent contracts? All over the third world, from colonial days to the present time, their gold, silver, oil was stolen or taken at obscenely low prices. That wealth transferred to the Western industrializing or now industrialized world to Britain, France, Spain, Portugal, and the United States for 500 years, five centuries. Right-wingers act the same all over the world and throughout history. Let's now swoop down from the geopolitical to the one-on-one level. What did the previous Bolivian ruling class inflict on the majority of its citizens on the personal level? Here Morales gets personal and talks about his father.
3: We've also
2: made advances in terms of giving people legal documents, something that oftentimes indigenous peoples don't have. These are the social problems that my family has lived. Mi mamá no tenía carnet de identidad. My mother, for example, never had a li- had an ID. No sabía cuándo había nacido. She
3: didn't know when she was born. Con mi padre es pues, algo anecdotico. It's an anecdote about my father. Una vez yo encontré su carnet de identidad, su celular de identidad de mi padre. One day I found his ID. una fecha de nacimiento. And
2: there was a birthday on it.
3: Le dije a mi hermana Esther. Hagamos fiesta.
2: I said to my sister, said, okay, we we'll have cumpleaños have a de mi we party. We know what my father's birthday is.
3: Mi me a hacer a mi padre en sus she was very happy. She said,
2: yes, let's do this
3: birthday party. We said to my father,
2: we're going to do a party for you.
3: No sé I and mean,
2: he said, but I don't know what my birthday is.
3: So, dije, el de we showed him his ID and said, cimiento.
2: here it is, here's your birthday.
3: Y dice, con mucha amargura, and he said very bitterly, que esa fecha yo me
2: para ir al I had to invent that date when I was drafted in the military. Y no sabía había
0: mi padre. My father didn't know when he was born. Not having an ID has other ramifications.
3: a for and when I was in a big political rally in
2: 1999 in the electoral campaigns for the municipalities and
3: I asked la mano. ¿Cuántos van a votar de esa gente, de esa cantidad de concentrados?
2: Dos de esa About two thirds of the people raised their hand.
3: Un tercio no Morales, para and Another mucho, third then raised their hand and
2: I said, what's going on here? And you're not going to vote for Evo Morales? Y todos decían, no tenemos documentos. And they all said we don't have IDs. We don't have documents que un
3: compañero se me acerca casi botando lágrimas and one compañero came to me almost in tears. yo solo sirvo para levantar la mano
2: y no sirvo para votar. He said this society thinks I'm only useful for raising my hands or giving a cent to something but I'm not good enough to vote. Él era
3: del altiplano o del norte potosino?
2: He was from northern Potosi no from sabía the highlands.
3: No sé cuándo había nacido. He didn't know when he was born. No tenía certificado de nacimiento. He didn't have a birth certificate. Es
2: problemas. These are the such problems. ¿Cómo no
3: usa de algún espacio estamos? But with,
2: but with the help of some com- countries, we're receiving support so we can give people documents to fully incorporate them as citizens.
0: This is the as abroad, so at home sub-theme. I'm referring to voter ID laws being furiously pushed by the right wing here in America. Quote, One of the cornerstones of the Republican Party's strategy for winning elections these days is voter suppression, intentionally putting up barriers between eligible voters and the ballot box. The actual reason for this bill is the political calculus that certain kinds of people, the poor, minorities, disabled people, and the elderly, are less likely to have valid ID. They are less likely to have cars and therefore to have driver's licenses. There are ways for non-drivers to get special ID cards, but the bill's supporters know that many people will not go to the effort if they don't need them to drive. If this bill passed the Senate and became law, the electorate would likely become more middle-aged, whiter, and richer, and, its sponsors are anticipating, more Republican, close quote. Many U.S. courts have found these voter ID laws unconstitutional because of the disenfranchising effect. But the right-wingers are hoping the Roberts Supreme Court will back them up. We'll see. You know what we're talking about here all along. Dignity. Morales goes on to talk about his mother. I'd like to
4: ask you, you've on several occasions mentioned your indigenous uh, uh, origins and and your movement uh, throughout Latin America now, 500 years after the European conquest. Uh, the native peoples of Mexico, uh, Peru, Colombia, Bolivia, are taking much more of a role uh, politically. Uh, what is the importance of this movement to Latin America?
2: Usted ha mencionado en muchas ocasiones la importancia de lo indígena en, en, su, en su campaña. Y también vemos que por todo América Latina hay un nuevo protagonismo por parte de los pueblos indígenas. ¿Cuál es la importancia de esto?
3: Eh, los excluidos por más de 500 años, inclusive en algún tiempo condenados al exterminio, también tenemos los mismos derechos como cualquier ciudadano, cualquier ciudadano.
2: They excluded for over 500 years exploited and in many cases um, uh, perdón,
3: presidente, ¿qué decía Por más de 500 años tenemos también los
2: derechos yeah, for over 500 years also have full rights.
3: I've mentioned in the United Nations, 30 40
2: years I mentioned in Nations that 30 40 years ago, my mother, my mother didn't have the right to walk through public spaces on sidewalks and public plazas.
3: And some racist racist in Bolivia, que not want to enter Santa Cruz Algunos sectores fascistas, racistas de Santa Cruz no quiere que entre la feria de Santa Cruz.
2: And there are some uh, fascist and racist sectors in, in Santa Cruz who don't want people, those people to enter into the fairgrounds today.
3: Ya hace dos días me informan desde Bolivia que esa feria agropecuaria en Santa Cruz debe ser o siempre ha sido inaugurado por presidentes, porque ahora un presidente Aymeral no acepta ningún presidente Aymeral que pueda ir a inaugurar. And this
2: is a sort of like a a fair of producers as well as uh, cattlemen and it's always been inaugurated by the president and they're angry because this president, the Naimata president, is not going to
0: inaugurate. Excluded for over 500 years. Exploited. 34 years ago, my mother didn't have the right to walk through public spaces on sidewalks in public plazas. 34 years ago was 1973, only nine years after we ourselves in the United States finally passed a civil rights law. As abroad, so at home here in the United States. Here's a last clip from Morales.
3: Y por tanto of
2: excluded peoples, discriminated peoples to unite. No para vengarnos con nadie. But not for revenge against anybody. Ni para
3: someter ni para a nadie. Nor to oppress or
2: to subordinate anybody. So
3: nuestra lucha es solo que se respeten los derechos
2: los That we have obligations that our rights be fully
3: respected. El el no es the thinking
2: of the indigenous peoples is not
3: of exclusion. Y puedo contarles mi vivencia, la vivencia en Altiplano, de la aymara, del quechua, del valle o del oriente boliviano como acoge otras eh, personas para ser eh, eh, familiares y para complementarnos.
2: I can tell you about the experiences of the Aymara the quetra from the highlands and the valleys and believe of how they welcome people in but not exclude people.
3: Me parece es que ese ese sector amenazado al exterminio amenazado o acusado de animales. A mí el embajador roche
2: me dijo que era tabil, talibán andino. This is the the sector that's been discriminated against we've been called everything we've been called animals e- manuel rocha once called me the andean taliban que, eh, se los Esa es lucha. so we want queremos fundamentally los our, rights. Rights to be respect- our rights to be respected that's our struggle
0: not for revenge against anybody nor to oppress or to subordinate anybody but rather our struggle that our rights be fully respected and remember earlier he said quote the investor has the right to recuperate their investment and to a reasonable profit, but we can't allow for the sacking of the country and only the companies benefiting, not the people. Quote. Such reasoned fair views are being met with hysteria on the right to this very day. Here's John McCain recently, quote, Republican presidential candidate John McCain warned against the spread of socialism in Latin America, a growing leftism embodied by leaders Hugo Chavez in Venezuela and Evo Morales in Bolivia. The Arizona senator said that everyone should understand the connections between Chavez Morales and communist Cuban president Fidel Castro. McCain said, quote, They inspire each other. They assist each other. They get ideas from each other. It's very disturbing. Close quote. There's, of course, the refrain from Bill O'Reilly. They're communist socialists down there. And can we ever forget Pat Robertson's call for the assassination of Morales' close ally, Hugo Chavez of Venezuela?
1: You know, I don't know about this doctrine of assassination, but if he thinks we're trying to assassinate him, I think we really ought to go ahead and do it.
0: I guess with the election of Morales, Robertson can now call for a dual assassination. No. A far better analysis comes from a far, far better man than McCain, O'Reilly, or Robertson.
4: These are revolutionary times all over the globe. Men are revolting against old systems of exploitation and oppression. And out of the wounds of a frail world, new systems of justice and equality are being born. The shirtless and barefoot people of the land... Arising up as never before. The people who set in darkness have seen a great light. We in the West must support these revolutions.
0: Yes, that's the progressive position. The moral position. The only position anyone with an ounce of common decency could espouse. Supporting starving people in their struggle to get food. Sick people in their fight to get medical care humiliated people in their battle to achieve dignity and respect. I'm on their side. Are you? Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at PodcastAlley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on the podcast homepage. You get to the podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. The next Blast the Right Live call-in show will be same time, same place, 9 to 10 p.m. Pacific Time, Monday, April 9th. You go to TalkShoe.com, t-a-l-k-s-h-o-e.com, com. We're TalkCast number 21542, 21542. If you just want to listen, you can click on the Listen Live link. If you'd like to call in and participate, or participate in the chat room while the broadcast is on. You need to register a talk show for free. You get a PIN number, and you have to download their software. The software downloads and installs real easily, but it takes a couple of minutes, so do it before the show starts. Last week, we didn't have a heck of a lot of people. I understand the show's on pretty late. I'm going to switch things around so I can do it earlier. But in any case, all of you who want to join in, please do. I especially invite right-wingers to call in. Hope I'll get a chance to speak to a whole bunch of you on Monday night, including some friendly local right-wingers. Thanks to Richard from Illinois and Scott from www.youraverageidiot.com for research assistance. Thanks for alerting me to the Morales interview on Democracy Now! to Steve in Houston, a contractor who's work for Enron, Exxon, Dinergy, and Unical. I wonder what those companies would think of them now. Music credits. The break music was the Schnee Speaks by KG House combined with the alternate Blast the right theme by Nye's Music. We'll close with a little bit of Too Much Bush by Wang Dang Doodle. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Keep all that great email coming in. My address is rational at adelphia.net. You can also call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. If you prefer, you can leave your comment on Skype. My name there is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls.
4: I've got way too much bush. George, you've got to go. Do you, can you hear me? What I'm to say Too much books for far too long It's time for a brand new day